Good evening. <laughs> now we're kind of starting at the end of chapter 11 here. Um, as you all probably know, the chapter and verse divisions sometimes come in the middle of a thought. So that's kind of why I bridged the gap here. But uh, before we go any further, let's uh, offer one more word of prayer for our time together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the blessing of being able to be here as a body. Thank you for all that you provide. Thank you for your mercy and grace that we don't deserve. Lord, please sharpen us tonight with your word. Please guard me from error. And thank you so, so much for the mercy and grace that you've bestowed upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. So we're starting at the end of Romans chapter 11, and I wanted to give kind of a quick overview of Romans chapter 11 before we dive into our text here. Just a few high points here that God has always had a remnant people who follow and serve him. Uh, We see throughout the Old Testament that Israel rebelled and rebelled and rebelled against God. And no matter how much they rebelled, God still had a remnant. God still had people who would follow and serve him. We also see that the Gentiles, non-Israelite people, were now able to be grafted in as part of God's covenant people, the church, Christians. And finally, what we see in Romans chapter 11 is God is merciful. We see that his people Israel rebelled and rebelled and rebelled some more. And yet God still desired that they return. And salvation is now available not just based on being a member of the tribe of Israel, but to all. So with that background here, we're going to move into our text, starting in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Paul has just spent the entire chapter 11 laying out God's plan You have Israel rebelling. You have the Gentiles being grafted in. And he takes a moment here to expound upon God and the depths of his riches of wisdom and knowledge. His perfect wisdom, his perfect knowledge, the fullness of that. Because as a Jew reading this in the first century, they're thinking, the Gentiles? The Gentiles are a part of this now? Maybe they question God, I don't know. But God in his fullness said, no, the Gentiles will be grafted in. And when I was reading this here, I immediately thought of those verses in Isaiah, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. And the word of God reads, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's a pretty awe-inspiring statement. Because as natural people, we want to think that we know what's best. We want to say that, yes, God, you said this, but I think it should be this way. We may not say that out loud, but we think it. We feel it at times. But we have Paul here, who God inspired to write two-thirds of the New Testament testifying to God's wisdom and knowledge. 
How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now we have the word of God. We have what God instructed us to do. But that doesn't mean we know everything about God. Part of walking in faith is trusting that even if I don't understand what's going on, that I can trust God. That I can have faith that he knows what's best. If I rely on myself, I'm bound to fail because I'm broken. So he continues on here in verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord and who hath been his counselor? Again, looking back that sometimes we feel like we want to tell God what's best. But verse 35 really hit home for me. Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Does God owe us anything other than judgment? No. That's part of the beauty of grace. That's part of the the majesty of God, is that he doesn't owe us what he blesses us with. To keep that cognizant in our mind. And Paul ends this section again praising God for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Verse 36, it's, it's echoed elsewhere in Paul's writings. We see in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. Paul writing about Jesus here. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. It's not just that he created all these things. They're held together by him. This is the God that we worship. This is the the God that Paul is speaking about here. And that leads into probably what most of us know a little bit more about this section of Scripture. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So, walking back through, we have, I beseech you therefore, brethren, everything that was spoken of before, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Paul's exhorting the readers of this letter here. Paul's exhorting us. Therefore, because of everything that is before, because God is who created everything, who holds everything together, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, when he's talking about bodies here, he's not just talking about this physical although we do present this to God. But he's talking about us as a whole, as individuals, as the body of Christ. We are all to be a living sacrifice to God. Brother Bell touched on it a little bit this morning in the sermon. A living sacrifice. So the language here, I immediately think of the Old Testament, because that's where we see sacrifices all throughout the Old Testament. You had sacrifices for sin. You had sacrifices for uncleanness. And sometimes you had sacrifices just to offer praise to God. But the thing in common about those sacrifices is 
Something had to die. But we're not called to be a dead sacrifice. We're called to be a living sacrifice. To be a walking, talking testament to God. It's interesting, the phrase living sacrifice here, I like how Thayer put it, it's possessing real life. Because we're all walking and talking and breathing. That's life. But is that real life? Is that the eternal life that God promises those who trust him? This is deeper than just walking around and breathing. But this sacrifice is supposed to be holy. Brother Dickie touched on that two Sundays ago. Holiness. Being separate. Prepared for God. So this life that we live, this testimony that we offer for Jesus Christ, it has to be holy. But we have a problem. We can't offer a holy sacrifice. We can't offer a holy life on our own. We are Christians. Christ died for us. We trust him for our salvation. And it's because of that fact that we can be a living sacrifice for God. Because on our own, we're not acceptable. We're corrupt. We're broken. We're stained. But because of Christ's perfect righteousness, trusting in him, we can be that living sacrifice for God. We can offer worship to God because that's what's acceptable to God. Christ's sacrifice, not ours. Because this is not a sacrifice for sin here. Because Christ took care of that when he died on the cross and was raised again the third day. That's done. This is after that. This sacrifice is our act of worship. How we live our life. Talking about reasonable service, again, looking at what Thayer said about reasonable service, it's the worship which is rendered by the soul. It's deep. It's ingrained. Because we know that God in his word has promised us a new heart. He's promised that we're a new creature. He's created us anew. Because our old person is not acceptable or well-pleasing to God without Christ. To dwell and to harbor on that fact. It's astounding. So what does a sacrificial life look like? And I immediately thought of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. You have Galatians 5, verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that have, <clears throat> sorry, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Crucified the flesh. Because that flesh is not pleasing to God. And the blessing of God's Holy Spirit that this fruit is possible now. Do 
Does a sacrificial life mean that I have to, as Brother Bell likes to put it, die on every cross? That I have to do everything? The main question that I have to ask myself, and I think we all have to ask ourselves, is are we serving God in the day-to-day when no one's looking? Because it's easy for us to serve God when people are around. But when I'm by myself, when I'm struggling with sin, am I trying to live a sacrificial life to God? Am I hanging on to the promise of God through His Holy Spirit that love, joy, peace, all the fruit of the Spirit is there? And it's interesting because God promises us a new heart in Scripture. But he doesn't promise just to change our heart. We read in verse 2 here, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everything that's around us screams to not follow God. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're not to look like this world. We're not to be given the same shape. This is specifically talking about our mind and our character, though. Because we have, we have jobs. We have things that we have to do in society. But we're supposed to be different. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This transformation is a change of moral character. Which at times can be done by those that are not in Christ, but it doesn't address the issue of sin for which Christ died. It's not about just following rules. It's not about just doing the right thing or giving to charity or X, Y, and Z. That's not what it's all about. The issue is that are we yielding to God? Are we serving God? Have we trusted Him? Because again, on our own, our sacrifice, how we live our life is not enough. It's not pleasing to God because it has to be in Christ. In this renewing of our mind, it's renovation. (laughs) Any of us who know anything about construction, (laughs) you know what it's like when you renovate a house. You gut it. You take out everything that's not necessary and you rebuild it up. And that's what God does with us. To have this renewed mind, this renovated mind that is not conformed to the world that's around us. How do we do that? By hanging on to God. Because the world may be indifferent to God. The world may hate God. Those around us may not have a problem with us talking about Jesus. The danger is that we can become indifferent. That we can become lax. We have to look different. We have to be different. We have to think different. God promises us a new heart. Tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Before we 
came to know Christ. Could we discern what God's will is? No. That's what it talk about a total renovation here. When God says that we're a new creature, when God changes us, now we can follow him. The sacrificial life that we're supposed to live. It's not just avoiding bad. It's actively serving God. We talked about it in Sunday school today, going through Romans chapter 6. Being dead to sin, but alive to God. This true life, this real life, not walking through the motions, not hanging on to the world, not refusing to let go of what we know God wants us to let go of. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I know that we desire to follow the Lord closer. And there are times when God asks us to give something up. It may be something small. It may be don't watch this or don't say this or don't read this. But that simple act of obedience is so powerful because as it's talked about in Galatians, then we're walking in the Spirit. Because God's Spirit is going to guide us. He's not going to guide us into the wrong way. This living sacrifice that only has life because of Jesus Christ. This is how we show that we're grateful. This is how we praise Him. This is how we worship the God who saved us. Because of God, all things exist. Because of God, we are saved. And because of God, we can offer acceptable worship to him. Because Christ has redeemed us. Because Christ has changed us. Because Christ died for us. We have to share that with people. We have to tell people. We have to live it. Is it a beautiful act of worship to come to church on Sunday and then act as if you've never seen a church on Monday? Is that a beautiful act of worship? Is that a sacrificial act of worship? It's not. Us as individuals and us as the body, we are called to live day by day for Christ. We may not have to lay down our life for him. We may have to. But whatever barriers there are between us and him, we need to remove them. Because God calls us to have a transformed mind, a renovated mind that is focused on him. And how do we do that? We stay in his word. That's where we get strength, that's where we get conviction. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us and God's word 
shows us how to live. How to live that sacrificial life. How to not have a dead faith. A faith separated. A faith that is inactive. But glory to God that he doesn't give up on sinners like us. Glory to God that even when his children fall and stumble, he doesn't turn his back on us. Yes, my sacrifice for the Lord may not have been perfect today, but I'm still his. And I don't know about y'all, but that is comforting because we fail. As individuals, as the body of Christ, we fail. But glory to God, because of Jesus Christ, that we're changed, we're new. And glory to God that we can be a living sacrifice to him. Because without him, we can't. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the blessing of your word. And thank you so much for your mercy that you bestowed on us. Thank you for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Help us to be a living sacrifice for you as we walk out this door and live our lives day to day. To you be honor and glory forever in Christ's name.